What's up, creeps? And welcome back. We are back. Motherfucker, we are back. That's right. Another episode. Jeremy, what's this shit called? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it feels good to be fucking back. Uh, a lot of reasons as to why we haven't had an episode in, what's it been, Brady? A couple of weeks or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, a month. yeah. No, it's been a month. A month. You guys did your yeah. vampires thing, What's, man. Where, where, where's your sense of time, man? Did you listen to a it, month. Jeremy? Did you? I'm a busy person, bro. <laughs> we're, we're, we're all busy. I think you were on a plane Brady, would ride. You, would, listen, would you listen Wi-Fi to costs money. Jeremy did Wi-Fi costs of course money on I a plane, bitch. I listened to Batman. Here's yeah, the thing. Rich, I love Jeremy. this brand, okay? And I love you, too. So, I listen to anything you guys put out. And I say... Brady, are you still, are you still a patron of the show? Of course I am. I pay myself. <laughs> You'd be paying yourself that one motherfucking dollar. I'd be paying myself. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> uh, I'm Justin. I'm B-Ratty. B-Ratty. Uh, yes. The Brady with wings. Uh, yes. We are, we're back with this new episode. We're going to be counting down another awesome list this week on the show. Uh, I almost blanked out there. It's been like three fucking weeks since I've been on the mic. Ladies and gentlemen, you totally understand, but we're going to be counting down top 10 horror remix it's always a subject people want to hear about they talk about it constantly in the fan community and twitter will never shut the fuck up about it so we're <laughs> going to talk about it this evening on this episode of brain stew but i also uh moved to a new location so that's partially the reason why we didn't have a new episode last week but another reason jeremy you went and did something fucking cool man did you want to tell our listeners what yeah you did? yeah it's up to you yeah it's up to i you. was on the about you know keeping this one under my hat but it's been a minute since we've done an episode and I thought you know what people should know they should fucking know that I'm out there doing God's work <laughs> I don't know about, <laughs> I don't know about God's work but uh you know God is and I'm re- referring to John Carpenter of course uh so yeah. you know our Lord and Savior yes of course the carpenter you know um not Jesus the John Carpenter so Jesus was a carpenter he was yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so as you guys know, you've gotten to know me over some time. I'm I'm a massive John Carpenter fan. I love Halloween. I love The Thing. I, I love the guy's entire filmography, except for Ghost of Mars. But I feel like that's... At least you admit that. I, I, I gotta give you credit. At I least feel like there's a good that. movie in there. And I, I think it's the bad editing that was done on the film, because that was around the time that, you know, The Matrix and all that shit was happening. It was like the slow motion things... And like some really see even a movie you know is isn't good, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred percent reasons to find. Hundred percent. So, <laughs> you know, you guys know that I go out there and I, I get the autographs and I do the memorabilia thing and I'm 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 out there. I'm crazy, man. It's kind of like collecting baseball cards to me at this point. I'm like, all right, I got a Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, let me get a Kevin Bacon. I got a Kevin Bacon. Let's get a Kiefer Sutherland. So, chasing the autographs and and going to events that aren't guarantees is a risk. It's it's always a risk cuz you know, you run the risk of going home with with nothing cuz it was never a guarantee, you know? Like I've met Stephen King before and what a fucking disappointment <laughs> that was. Sorry Brady, that's your guy. He was a fucking dick. We talked about that last no, week. No, that, that's, that, cool. that's a story that I, I 100% will require yeah. you to save until we do something Stephen yeah, King. Yeah. Dude, he's a fucking a dick and you know, I've been out there and you know, nobody owes you an autograph. So it's one of those things that, you know, 
it's disappointing when you when you ask for one and the person's like they either ignore you or they tell you no or they tell you to fuck off whatever they tell you. Um, but it's never a guarantee, so you you got to go into it expecting that that's a real possibility. So I took a risk of a trip, um, you know, two weeks ago. So my guy is Kurt Russell, man. I I had met him one time prior, and it was so lightning fast. <laughs> it was so lightning fast, and I know why you're laughing, Brady, because my little brother. I'll there's, never forget that. There that is a picture. picture. I don't know if Jeremy will ever post it, but there is an iconic picture of Kurt Russell in Jeremy's phone that is just it'll blow your minds. Is it is it with the it corner will. of my head and Kurt Russell's yep. face? <laughs> I'll never forget the first time I saw it. I, I think I received it at like fucking eight in the morning or some shit. Dude, my my little so brother bad. is not an autographer. He's not, you know, he's not into the hobby. And I brought him with me. And he had come with me to things before, uh, Justin, when we got Jamie Lee Curtis outside of that book signing. My yeah. little brother was clutch as fuck. He got me some extra autographs. And he usually takes really good Dude, pictures, Dude, he got great too, pictures though. for us. Uh, this time, he he dropped the ball so hard to where, like, literally, Kurt Russell showed up at this thing that I was at. And it was lightning fast. And he was like, look, guys, I'm, I'm running late. I got to go. And we were like, and I was the one that was like, Mr. Russell, please, one each. And he was like, all right. He caved. He was like, cool, I'll do one each. So I told my little brother, I was like, dude, just hold the item out and he's going to sign it. And my little brother's going to kill me for telling this story. So, um, you know, here I am thinking that, you know, I he gets he signs my poster and another autographer handed him a fucking blue Sharpie at the last second. Right. And the poster that I had was black because it was the thing, of course. Right. So the autograph on my poster was like non-existent. So that was a bummer. It was like I got a shitty autograph. That sucks. Well, I'm thinking, well, at least my little brother got an autograph on my other item and probably took and you know, was supposed to be taking pictures. So Kurt Russell walks away and I was like, cool, man, let me see your autograph. And he was like, I didn't get one. I was like, what do you, what do you mean, bro? All, all you had to do was hold it out. And he was like, he, he didn't want to do it. I was like, that was when he first showed up, but then he agreed to do one each. You're a one. And he was like, I don't know what happened. And I was like, God damn it. I was like, all right, well, let me see the pictures that you took. And my little brother, who is a photographer, took the worst fucking pictures. Like, oh, rather than getting like, so bad. rather than getting like me and Kurt Russell in the picture, he just like zoomed in on Kurt Russell's fucking bloated face. And it was like, dude, Bro, you have to post these. In the oh, chat. he totally looked like Charles Bronson. Yeah, in the man. 80s. The, 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 the post I had plastic surgery. Yeah, Charles it, Bronson. It, it was a real bummer. So that was in 2017. So for five years, I've been like, I need to get this guy and get him proper. You've been. Stewing yes, I've been brain stewing about this shit. You've been brain <gasps> So I fucking for five years, I'm like, man, I hope I get to get this guy again, you know? So, I found out that Kurt Russell was um, doing a Q&A and some other things. And I took a wild gamble and I bought uh, a plane ticket and hotel and rent-a-car and all this shit. It, it cost, you know, a good chunk of money for something that was not a guarantee. So, uh, me and a couple buddies, we went, you know, just saying, you know, hopefully... This happens. If not, it, it'll be at least cool to see Kurt Russell and see him do a Q&A. So we showed up in uh, at the place that we were, kind of country, and uh, usually, like, autographers are not, like, inclusive, right? Because, like, they're like, fuck you, I don't know you, I'm trying to get my autographs, so you could fuck that up. We met this guy that he was super cool. He was like, 
He's like, hey, uh, it's going to sound like a fucking fucked up Matthew McConaughey. He was like, hey, you guys trying to get some autographs, man? And we were like, we were like, yeah. And he was like, yeah, man, I've, I've been coming to this event for years, man. If, if you guys want to come over here, like, you know, y'all can stand over here and he's going to come through that door right there. We were like, damn, like usually autographers like don't look out for other autographers like that, especially ones they don't know. So he knew the venue. He knew where they were going to take Kurt Russell. So we're standing there, and this guy's fucking smart. He's got his, like, nine-year-old son with him, right? Well, the guy is on stage uh, who's, like, doing the introduction, like, hyping the crowd up that Kurt Russell is there and shit like that. And I look over my shoulder, and standing, like, 15 feet behind me is Kurt Russell waiting for the introduction to be done. And this is where this autographer was smart. He sent his nine-year-old son to walk up to Kurt Russell with, like, a fucking Wyatt Earp, Earp uh, pop and a fucking deco marker, right? So, of course, Kurt Russell's going to sign for a nine-year-old. So, dude, we just followed right behind the kid, and I held my fucking The Thing poster out. So he signed the kid's pop. He signed my buddy's action figure, and then, bam, he spanked a fucking beautiful, perfect signature on my thing poster, man. It made up for the horrible autograph that I got in 2017. Cheers. Yeah, dude. So then I had my phone because I knew how I know how quick Kurt Russell is when he's trying to get from point A to point B because I learned firsthand several years ago. So I was like, man, I had my phone. It was like double barrel, man. I had my poster in one hand. I had my phone ready to go in the other one. So like security starts walking him. Like he signs that signature for me and he starts walking. So I'm walking next to him and I held my phone up like selfie status and I was like, Kurt, can I get a picture? And he goes, I, I got to go. And I was like, come on, Kurt, selfie, selfie. And he was like, if you're going to take it, take it. And I snapped the picture. Uh, I'm happy with it. Uh, it's a picture of me and Kurt Russell, which is something that I wanted for a long time. But it was, uh, dude, it was it was amazing. I, I literally, and I know, Justin, you can relate to this experience from, you know, meeting Michael Keaton, which is, which Kurt Russell is. Sure Russell is my Michael Keaton, man. I, uh, you know, he's been in so many films that I love, and he's one of my favorite actors of all time. And, dude, I, as he was being ushered to the stage, and I looked down at my phone at the picture, and I looked at my autograph, man, just instantly tears welled in my eyes. I was like, holy shit, it fucking happened, man. I can't believe it. It was amazing. And then the, 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 the cherry on top of the fucking cake or the pie or whatever the fuck is that when he was on stage, you know, he he's, like, talking about, you know, his career in... in in Western films, right? Like Tombstone and fucking uh, Hateful Eight. And, dude, he mentioned Bone Tomahawk. And most of most, oh, most of the people... Fucking great movie. Dude, so good. Most of the people had never fucking seen it. And, dude, this is, this is when shit got so real and so amazing for me. He goes, look. He goes, guys, in 1982, I made a movie that flopped with John Carpenter called The Thing. He goes, nobody cared about that movie at all. He said it literally took 25 to 30 years for people to realize that it's one of the best goddamn horror sci-fi films ever made. He goes, one of the best. He goes, that movie is considered a classic now. He goes, and when it came out, nobody gave a fuck about it. He goes, I'm telling you right now, in 15 years, people are going to talk about Bone Tomahawk more than they talk about The Hateful Eight. He was like, I'm, tell I'm telling you that right now. So, I was like, dude, when he was on stage, I was like, is Kurt Russell talking about John Carpenter and The Thing right now? This is fucking amazing. So, it was um, 
again, my my exchange with him was probably close to being about the same that it was in 2017. It was very fast, very rushed, but it happened this time. So I'm I'm super stoked about it. Um, you guys, that's you amazing, guys, dude. Super you guys know how much I you. fucking love the thing. So you know, I, I that's why I wasn't on the show uh, when you guys did the vampires episode because I would have had a lot of opinions on the vampires. You know. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it just came to mind last minute because fucking Morbius came out and everyone was talking about that movie. And I was like, I'm not going to see that movie. So, well, nope. well, real quick. Well, well, what's your favorite vampire movie? Your number one off the top Absolutely. of your head. Um, without a doubt, it would have to be Fright Night because, oh, so that so we here, all, here we go. all three of us would have the same. No way, one. no way. That, that's yeah. awesome. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I totally listened to the episode, and yeah, that's that's great. You fuck, um, yeah. <laughs> dude. It, for me, for me, sure. it's because it was the movie. I've, and I've talked about it on the show before that I I related to Charlie Brewster, and I I wanted an adventure like that so bad when I was a kid, and I rented that tape more than any other fucking tape ever when I was a kid. To the point where, like, you know, I've said it before, but my dad was like, don't you want to rent another movie? You want to rent Fright Night again? I'm like, Fright Night, Dad. Fright Night. So. <laughs> Shut up, Dad. That's that's why it has to be my number one. You know, I love From Dust Till Dawn. I can quote every fucking word from that movie. I watch it at least twice a year. I fucking love it. I love Lost Boys. You know, um, I love the subspecies movies, but, you know, if you're telling me right now what is my favorite, it would be Fright Night. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. And, and I appreciate to our listeners and the people on social media that gave us a lot of love for that, because as I said in the episode, sometimes people don't recognize how amazing that movie is. They don't appreciate it as much as they should. I feel like everyone talks about The Lost Boys, which I, I love as well. It, it's right up there as it was on my list. But Fright Night's got everything and it's got something for everyone. But we can't talk vampires any longer. We did that subject. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll cross over into that again another time we're going to be counting down our top 10 horror remakes before we do that i just wanted to mention to you guys that didn't notice this yet uh, a milestone for the brand for epic film guys a few weeks back i also took a journey Uh, i was sent to new york city on an amazing trip uh, courtesy of focus features and i saw the northman uh, which has yet to be released yet lucky uh, widespread through the united states and I wrote a quick little review blurb, uh, which can be seen on our Twitter and social media. And it's in the new trailer for The Northman. So um, that's so amazing. And it's something that I never, ever thought would happen for the Epic Film Guys brand. I got a random email that they were, you know, trying to get credit and approve that I would allow one of my quotes to be in a movie trailer. (laughs) And of course I obliged and said, please, and couldn't believe it. Someone tweeted it before I even saw it. And uh, to to get my attention to be like, yo dude, there it is. So thank you. I just want to take the time to thank everybody that's ever listened to this show. That's ever supported the brand that's ever liked or commented on any of our shit on social media. Uh, You guys are the reason why we do what we do. And we made it there because of you. Boom. So just wanted to thank you again. It's, it's a great feeling. And hopefully, you know, if I had a drink in hand, that was booze, I would say here's to more and sip, but I don't. So air, air drink, air sip. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, all right, we're going to take a quick promo break. And when we come back, we're going to be counting down our top 10 horror remakes. Quick promo break. We'll be right back. 
Hello, everyone. My name is Nick. I'm the host of Nikolai's Kitchen, and I'm also the host of the annual live stream for The Cure. Livestream for the Cure is a charity event where we raise money with content creators and podcast partners from around the world for the Cancer Research Institute, a wonderful nonprofit researching cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This is a mission and a future that I truly believe in. And myself and my team worked tirelessly over the past five years to raise over $50,000 for this cause. This year, we're aiming for our biggest single goal to date of $20,000, and we cannot do it without your help. Please join us for the event May 19th through the 21st, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern for 45 hours of content from people all over the world. Together, we can bring hope for a future immune to cancer. The more eyes we reach, the more dollars we raise. Please help us in making this goal a reality. Together, we can make a difference. All right, you creepy, crawly motherfuckers. We are back to do our top 10 favorite horror remakes. This was kind of a tough list, and I actually, I changed one of mine, like, as we were recording the beginning of this episode. I was like, you know what? I need to include this. So I'm, one of these is, is taking a cut. So I did that. I did that shit. And here we are. We're on it. So you know what? I'm going to start it off. My number. Oh, thank Feel God. Free. It's not me. It's not you this time, B-Ratty. Usually it's it's you. Because, you know, you're the, you know, the newest addition. You're the rookie. The young one. Yeah. Yeah. The youngest. But you know what? I'll take the first the one. Here we go. Here, that's it. right. That's right. My number 10. It's very close to a film we just discussed. It is Fright Night from 2011. Dude, this one doesn't get talked about very much at all. Like, very much at all. It's kind of a, a remake that, you know, it, it gets brought up sometimes, but not on the level that, that you would think it would. I, I I really enjoy this one. I I like that they did their own thing. Sometimes remakes, they, they either they stick too close to the source material or they veer too far and I liked the stamp that this one did. It did a lot of things with, that was very familiar, you know, thematically with with the story from the original Tom Holland's Fright Night. But this one, it it had some twists. It had a bigger budget. You had fucking Colin Farrell as Jerry Dandridge, man. Like, which was I thought was pretty fantastic. Fan, fan, dude, yeah. Antoine Yelchin, who was for the longest time my favorite mm. new age actor. R. I. Fucking P. God, playing playing Charlie Brewster. He's yeah, dude, you got... Okay, can we talk about how ridiculous her fucking name is? Imogene Poots. Like, God damn it. Yeah. Like, imagine like being dude. like, God damn it, my name is Imogene Poots. I love her. Yeah, she's she's in that new Outer Range show that I really need to check oh, out. Oh, it's so good. I, I can't wait. You gotta watch I'm it. I'm looking forward to it. But dude, Fright Night was awesome. It did so many... Th okay, and we got McLovin as Evil Ed. Fucking McLovin, dude. The casting for this movie was just like, all right, you're you're hitting all the boxes and for me. Hit me. Chris Sarandon had a little bit in there. The original Jerry Dandridge. Yeah, he did. He was there. He was there. He had a little 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 cameo. Um, dude, it's just a it's a really, really Tony Collette. I keep fucking yeah, dude, she's she's she, totally she's, in that movie. She's dude, she's 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 got horror dude, pedigree. She at this she point, she. For sure. Yeah, man, she she's got some clout in the genre now. She she's been in some bangers, dude. And I mean, this was just a really really fun popcorn movie. 
Um, you had Doctor yeah. Who that was playing Peter Vincent. Um, you know, whatever the fuck his name was. Um, but you know, good for him. David <laughs> yeah, David Tennant. There we go. <laughs> we don't care about we don't care about actors. No, 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 no. Your name's not Roddy McDowell, so I'm not gonna bother remembering your name. <laughs> Get the fuck I out mean, of here. If, if the movie had a, a, a major flaw for me, 100%. It 100%. That version, because Peter Vincent, Roddy McDonald was so fucking brilliant in that role. Um, but, you know, yeah, it, is so it is. It's a new I Dude, I, I, I love this remake. It doesn't get mentioned enough. Uh, a couple CGI flubs that it's like, you know, you could have gone practical with that and it would have looked better. But neither here nor there. I still really enjoy it. Birati Alata. What is your number 10, buddy? Is it me? I'm up. Wow, I'm, I'm putting you in the game. Used to be in number one. Go ahead, sport. Um, so <laughs> come on, bud. <laughs> so for me, number ten is 2000. I think 12's Maniac remake with Elijah Wood. Are you really gonna do this to me? Are you seriously going <laughs> to do this to me again? Always. You guys syncing up? So syncing up <laughs> again. <laughs> admittedly, I. I'm not a fan of the original Maniac. I saw it at Boo. Alamo maybe three years ago. Justin texted me and said, hey, they're showing this. I, I forget the special it was. It wasn't something you were doing, dude. But you were just, no. It was just it was just a special uh, Alamo corporate yeah, yeah, thing yeah. where it was the brand new 4K restoration, which yeah. had not been released on Blu-ray yet. And you were like, "Oh, this is going on tonight," and I was off, so I was like, "Cool, I'll go." I asked Paige if she wanted to go. She said no, so I went alone. And I sat there and I was like, what the fuck am I watching? It's a mean-spirited, fucking brutal-ass movie, man. One of the meanest, yeah. for and sure. So I, I did not like it. I thought there were some good things in it, but I didn't like the overall film. And then I watched the one with Elijah Wood, and holy fuck, dude. It's like, it's one of the few movies that's a remake that takes the source material and just elevates it. I think the soundtrack is fucking great. I think that the kills are brutal and unnerving, but contrast it. It's like they contrast the beautiful with the ugly, you know? And I, I, I just think that this is where like Elijah Wood got his horror pedigree and he did come to daddy later, which is kind of a mixed genre. Um, but I love this movie and I watched it after I watched the original maniac and then I rewatched it recently and I just, I think it's great. It's phenomenal. So I, number ten is Maniac. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, so I'll speak on. Uh, I'll speak. No, hold on. I'll, I'll speak. I'll speak on yours real quick. Oh, oh. Uh, dude, the the POV shit with with Maniac was mm-hmm. fucking inventive, and it, it was gonna be a make or break. Either you were gonna accept it for what it was, or you were gonna fucking hate it. But uh, I I really enjoyed that one too, man. Great pick. Well, uh, before yeah. Justin goes on, I think <laughs> that the POV. Like, could be very campy if not done well. But, like, when I was watching it, I was like, dude, this is like Halloween, like 1978. Like, I, I, I just, like, it looked like Michael Myers. And I just really, really fell into it. So, oh, yeah. Justin. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, thank you for guys for cutting me off because I cut <laughs> you guys off all the time. So now we're, you're finally returning the favor. Uh, but, uh, Great pick, Brady. That's why it's my number 10 as well. And I feel like this one came out in very little fanfare. Obviously, the original is 
you know, it's an acquired taste, if you will. It's not one that people are like cheering at to see on the big screen. Hence why, you know, when we did the screening at Alamo Draft House, like 10 people showed up for it. But we did have a guy that traveled like three hours to see it on the big screen. So, and it wasn't even on 35 millimeter. But uh, everything you said, just to, you know, comment on that, Elijah Wood is absolutely downright creepy in the role. It's one of my favorite roles of his. He really liked the original and wanted to do something special with it. And, uh, you know, he produced the movie. And I, I agree, I liked the first person shoot, shoot the first person shooting, if you will, uh, rather. And uh, it's just got a really creepy vibe to it overall. And I, I love that subway scene. That's If there's any standout, it's the subway scene. It, it's just really, really fantastic. It just, it took me back to when slashers were more mean-spirited. Because when this came out, the slashers, you know, it's 2012. They weren't being churned out at that point, so... 100%. Yeah. It's got to be yeah, Maniac. Yeah. Happy for my friends. Glad you guys uh, both put that on your list. <laughs> we synced up again. Yeah. yeah. Look, look at you guys. Look, You guys are cute. <laughs> All right. So. Uh, look at him. Oh, look at him. Look at him. So. All right, Jeremy. I'm, what's the next one? My number nine it is a film that when I was younger, I, I feel like I didn't appreciate it as much because I was like, yeah, it's I mean, it's kind of beat for beat. So much like the original, uh, but updated special effects and and makeup work and things that uh, it's one that I've I've grown to appreciate more and more over the years. It's Tom Savini's 1990 Night of the Living Dead. Oh yeah, I mean he literally pretty much takes the the script from George Romero and John Russo's <laughs> Night of the Living Dead and just reshoots it. Um, yeah, you know, kind of like kind of like Psycho, but you know he takes. Some liberties, and there are some changes, and of course, you know, practical makeup effects and things had had evolved and grown so much over the time. So now, instead of just getting, you know, people with caked up, you know, gray and bluish makeup on, now we're getting, you know, full-on zombie decaying practical effects, you know, makeup put on, and the zombies look scary as fuck. Um... You know, they, they're certainly not the zombies that I would want, want to run into in the street, you know, uh, <laughs> if any of them. Right. But, uh, dude, I, I, I really I really appreciate this movie so much more now. I mean, dude, you have Patricia Tallman playing Barbara. You know, she, uh, mm. you know, she's she's been in some things. She she was uh, the stunt double for, for uh, Laura Dern in Jurassic Park. A little fun fact for you. Really? Yeah, she was. And, uh, you know, she was in uh, Army of Darkness. She plays one of the uh, the female deadites. And you've got Tony Todd, who, of course, is a horror icon for Candyman. He's playing Ben. You know, uh, you got Tom Tolles. You got William Butler. You got Bill Mosley. You've got so many, so many horror names and faces that you love and you recognize. So this, this is just a film, like I said, you know, if I... Typically, if I'm in the mood to watch Night of the Living Dead, I will, of course, put on the George Romero version. But every now and then, I'm like, you know what? I feel like watching one where the zombie effects prosthetics are a little scarier and more modernized. And then I I, I throw on the Tom Savini one. So I love it, man. It's uh, it's grown on my on my love list. So that's my number nine. That's a good pick. Thank you. Um, for me, number nine. So I really love like the early 2000s kind of remakes of the classics. Um, That being said, House of Wax was right up my wheelhouse. 
Uh, I think it's getting a, a bit of a resurgence lately just because people aren't obsessed with how much they hate Paris Hilton, huh. which I think really kind of detracted the movie. Um, and she's actually kind of good in it. Like, I, I don't think that she's bad, but I think that it's got good kills. I think it's got a, a great plot that, like, when you think of plots in horror movies, especially ones that are getting remade, like, you don't want to get lost in it, and you don't want to feel like it's just too straightforward. And this one seems simple enough that it's like, all right, they find a town where... These people suffered abuse from their parents, and they just decided to kind of crack and go for it. And it's a great tale, and when, I forget his name in it, but Jared Padalecki, his character, when he's turned into wax, that sequence is fucking phenomenal. And then when his jaw gets chopped off in the chase scene, and he's just like crying through the wax, like that has stuck with me for years. So forget Paris Hilton, forget all that. This movie is just a good fucking remake and great to rewatch, and it's it's fun. So I, I put this as my number nine. Um, it's something that I like to rewatch at least once a year. So I, I got to rewatch this one, man. I haven't seen it since it first came out, so it's it's due. I, I need to see it again. Yeah, I just actually booked it for Terror Tuesday at Alamo Drafthouse, yeah. and it did gangbusters. Yeah. It was a great crowd. People came out, they really enjoyed it, and it may or may not be showing up on my list. I think it's like the perfect movie for if you have friends over, and you guys are drinking a little bit, and you're like, oh, put a movie on. It's like, let me put House of Wax on. Everybody can enjoy this a little bit. Oh, yeah. Number nine, Joostin. Joostown. Joostin. This movie came out when this, this director's name wouldn't have been known worldwide. Now you say his name, and either people are going to spit at you, or they're going to high-five you. In 2004, director Zack Snyder took hold of one of the most iconic satirical horror movies of all time in George Romero's Dawn of the Dead, and he did a totally different spin on what we consider one of the best horror movies ever made. So it, it, it had to make this list. I remember seeing it in the theater and just being wowed by the movie. It's brutal. It's crazy. Uh, I love that they brought back the mall setting and did something really modern with it. And I think that it, if, if you're a fan of The Walking Dead, you really couldn't have The Walking Dead without Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead because there are parallels visually in, in terms of style and the sensibilities. And they're great characters. I, I, honestly, this may be arguably one of Snyder's best movies, if not his best. I mean, I'm a huge fan fan of his DC work. I know that it's cool to hate on people that love those movies, but I have a Man of Steel tattoo because I fucking love that movie. Uh, but I just really enjoyed this one. I think it's one that on most horror remake lists is going to show up because people have found throughout the years that it really holds up well. Um, and it, it's it's a great counterpart because what I consider a good remake, and, and I didn't preface this before we started this episode, um, it's doing something different with the source material, keeping it, you know, similar territory, a similar vibe in terms of what the movie is supposed to do and mean, but then do something fresh with it. And I, I think Zack Snyder most definitely did respect the source material and Romero's iconic movie and made his own movie. You know what I mean? He, he's not trying to do, you know, a Rob Zombie with Halloween and, and try to do like half the movie, his own thing, and then, you know, beat for beat remake the other half. Um so yeah, it's got to be Dawn oh, yeah, of the Dead. Dude. It's a good one. Yeah. 
those running zombies are uh, still scary as fuck. So a lot of people, you know, if anybody hated on the film for anything, it was it was the running zombies. And dude, those running zombies are fucking terrifying. So I I, I love what he did with the zombies. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in with my number eight, which Justin just touched on it, and this was the movie that I was referring to earlier, saying that I was like I I I have to include it, man, because. You know, I've talked about this film on this sh- this show before, especially when we did our Halloween countdown. But it's Rob Zombie's Halloween from two thousand and seven. It is a polarizing <laughs> film, dude. It's a polarizing <laughs> film. People still talk about this movie every single day on social media. Every single fucking of day, of course they do. They yeah. talk about this movie, and it's one that, dude. I I hated this movie when it came out. Um, well, I kind of went from like. Being like, okay, yeah, that was cool, to being like, nah, fuck that, that was bad. And then later, several years later, coming around and being like, you know, I actually appreciate this movie for what it is. You know, Rob Zombie, he was forced from the studio for the second half of the film to essentially be a beat-by-beat of John Carpenter's, because that was not his vision. That's not what he wanted to do. And the Weinsteins were like, look, you know, we'll give you the beginning of the movie, but you got to make it more Halloween at the tail end of this thing, so... He kind of was following what he was. He was paid to do the gig, you know. He didn't have complete creative control over it, uh, which he had with the second one that he did. But I, I find this film fascinating. The dialogue is fucking horrible. It is like most of Rob Zombie's films. The dialogue is horrible. Everything is shot beautifully. It's got great kills. It's got great cinematography. It's it's great to look at. But the dialogue is fucking. It's got a great score. Oh, Tyler Bates did a amazing score. For amazing. It the dialogue is trash, but I still find this movie fascinating. I can still put this movie on and be completely enthralled in it, man. Like I'm I can't believe that he was literally given the keys to the kingdom and the decisions that he made. You know, it it's fascinating to me. So, my number 8 is Rob Zombie's Halloween from 2007. I I accept all you know, of your as much hate. as I, I, I no, as much as I hate that movie, you know, and I've touched on it on this show in the past, and we may or may not be revisiting zombies' work leading up to the monsters, but um, the one thing that I appreciate you said to me, I think it was a long time ago, one of the first few times we hung out, is you said, strip away the Michael Myers elements, strip away, you know, all of the things that you remember of the original, and just look at it as its own as thing. A slasher. And it's easier to yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, just as a straight slasher. And when I, when I do that, like, I can passively slightly enjoy some of it. I mean, it's definitely one of his best-looking movies. And I appreciate what he was trying to do when you hear him talk about it. I mean, dude, it's on YouTube if if, if you guys don't own it. I mean, I do own it. But there's, like, a fucking four-hour-long making-of yeah. documentary for it. And you can see how much passion he had for this. And he was really trying to do something that was his own vision. Of course, studio interference is a thing, and it, it partially helped ruin what the movie Dude, was. And, and one, yeah. one last thing that I'll say about it is Tyler Maine's Michael Myers from Rob Zombie's Halloween is very much, in my opinion, probably the most terrifying version of the character to date. Absolutely. I mean, he was humongous. I mean, he would just fuck up anybody, you know, that, that came before him. Like, you know, if you put, you know, James Jude... Jude's, uh, Courtney's, however the, I just fucked that name up. <laughs> James Jude Courtney's, there you go. I was like, James Jude's, everything had an S on the end of it. James Jude's Courtney's, um, <laughs> if you put James Jude Courtney's Michael Myers in an alley, right? 
I'd be like, okay, like that's fucking scary, right? You put Tyler Maines, Michael Myers, in a fucking alley, and I'm immediately running the other way. I'm not even going to have the time for my brain to process, well, that's fucking scary because I'm already running. Um, so I, I, I think that his version of Michael Myers is like a fucking shark. And it's just, it's terrifying, man. Um, In the words of John Carpenter, I'll comment that he was too fucking big. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I'll, I'll give you that. John. I just, I, it, it's just, it, it, whatever. It, it, I'll give you that, but I still think he's terrifying whoa, whoa. Uh, as Michael Myers. <laughs> Jeremy, I love the pick. I can't say that it won't come up later, but love the pick. Thanks, man. Listen, if it does, uh, I'll regret the, you know, bringing you on the show in the first place. <laughs> right, and right, you'll right, probably right, be right, booted, right, so... Right, right. No, you whatever, but <laughs> all right. So my next pick is this number nine, number eight. Number what eight. is this? Numbers are hard. Number eight. Brady's been drinking. I've been drinking uh, again. Here's the thing. I met my wife because she was my math tutor. So take it as you will. <laughs> Anyways, number eight is 2003's Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. With Jessica yes. Biel. Yes. Um, I expected this one to show up a few times, possibly. I love the original. I think that it's a near-perfect film. Uh, but this one is pretty fucking good. So it's got Jessica Biel in it, which is already putting your numbers up. Um, but I think it really captures that atmospheric, claustrophobic feel that Texas Chainsaw was going for. And... Um, the whole time, even though you knew what was going to happen, you still felt very tense. And every time I watch it, I'm still on the edge of my seat. Like, oh man, like who's going to get it? Who's going to get it first? And I think Arlie Ermey is a great actor. Uh, I think that casting him as the secondary villain opposed to Leatherface was a great choice because it Dude, really, I think he's scarier than Leatherface. Well, that's the, the thing. I think it gets into the lore of like we've talked about this. Like I think the thing with Texas Chainsaw is Leatherface is its own entity and that's cool and that's terrifying, but then you bring into the mix like it's the family and who you call, like you call the police who are supposed to help you and then they're in on it. Like this really kind of dives into that. So he gets there and he's supposed to save the kids from whatever's going on, but he's also part of it. And I, I just think that it's very terrifying. It's a very claustrophobic feel. Oh and, my, my, um, my, 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 my. Exactly. I think that they made Leatherface a little too hulky of a figure. But I love the costume design, and I love how he looks. So it's my my number eight. Love it. Awesome. And you already mentioned this movie, but my number eight is the 2005 remake of House of Wax. And I can't possibly pronounce the name of the director, Duwame uh, Kole Sarah. Uh, I tried. Yes, that's totally fucking wrong. But it's a remake of the 1933 film, uh, which it, we obviously had the version with Vincent Price and that that version is one that I also enjoy as well but this again a great remake is taking a concept an idea and really doing its own thing with it this is the best interpretation of that idea if you think about it because all it takes is the name and the fact that it has wax figures and then it came up its completely own idea and script and this movie is fucking, in the same way that we talked about a few months back in December, the remake of Black Christmas, 
the 2006 version, it's completely, absolutely insane, brutal, gory, fantastic practical effects, great tense uh, scenes throughout, great cinematography. The, the, the whole set that this film was built upon is beautiful to look at. The museum that the, the wax figures are in and everything. And yeah, it has Paris Hilton in it, but to be honest with you, she's actually pretty good in the movie. I mean, she does like this fucking dance in the tent in her underwear and shit. And I'm like, okay, when, that's pretty good acting. I mean, when this real, movie though, came out, I mean, Paris Hilton was on every single magazine cover every single week for, 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 yeah, she was wearing those fucking Von for, Dutch for years. She had her own reality TV show that was out at the time. And she was literally on every magazine cover for years to this point to where people had so much Paris Hilton thrown in their face between her, you know, she was constantly on TMZ. She was constantly on these magazine covers. She had her, you know, like I said, she she had her own TV show to her. It was, it was really overkill with her to where if you put Kim Kardashian in a horror film right now where Kim Kardashian fucking gets slaughtered, people would, people would still be like, oh, fuck. I mean, I'm down to watch her die on film because I'm so fucking tired of her. But... God, why is she in this movie? And that's that's exactly what happened to Paris Hilton when they when they made this one. Well, that and, and you know the best thing about it, Jeremy, is they hang on her death for so long. I'm surprised that it wasn't edited more. I mean, when she dies, they linger yeah. on it. It's like a fucking close up shot, and it's meant to evoke cheering yeah. from the audience. So she knew what oh, she was sure. doing. They all knew what they were doing by Smart. putting her in the movie. And it's just a blast of a fun time. It's the, you know, the definition of a popcorn horror movie. It didn't do gangbusters at the box office, but like I said, that's why I booked it recently at Terror Tuesday. And a lot of people came out that had never seen it and everyone seemed really excited and happy about it because it's a really fun movie. And yep. I think it's one that needs to be appreciated more. That's awesome. So, yep, that is my number eight with House of Wax. All right, number seven for me is uh, a film that stars a man that we all met at the exact same moment. And it was uh, a moment that none of us will ever forget. I'm talking about Jeff Goldblum, and I'm talking about The Fly from... 1986. Oh, wow, man. Yeah, man. This is this is really fucking low, though. Holy yeah, yeah. Shit, you know, man. there there are. Uh, I don't think it's low enough. Ooh, whoa. Ooh, shots fired. Shots fucking fired. Um, you want to be I'm, so look. I'll, I'll put this right out in the open, and <laughs> and some some horror enthusiasts are gonna want my horror, you know, member fan club revoked. Uh, I'm not a huge David Cronenberg fan. Like I like. I like, yeah, there you go. I like some of David Cronenberg's shit, but you know, there's some of his earlier films and stuff that I just, I can't get behind. Um, I, I try. Uh, I find some of them, you know, kind of whatever. Uh, I'm not going to get into that, but um, I, I'm not a horror fan that, like, worships his filmography like I worship John Carpenter, but he's got some solid hits that he's he's done that, you know, definitely hit the marks for me, and The Fly is one of them, dude. It's, it is body horror at its finest. There is some of the most disgusting things I've ever seen in any movie ever mm. in this movie. And you literally, you're watching Jeff Goldblum just fucking deteriorate from a man into this fly creature. He's like vomiting on food and then like eating it. And it's just like, you know, fucking his ear will fall That's off. Disgusting. That's nasty. That's nasty. Um, so yeah, dude, I, I, I love this movie. Um, 
it's uh it's a good time and it's disgusting and uh I I definitely appreciate it for what it is. I, fun fact, I've never seen the sequel of Eric Stoltz, you know. Never, I've never I, fucking it's seen it. I've, it's not bad. It's like the son of the fly or some bullshit. He's like he's like, "Well, Marty McFly yeah. didn't pan out for me. Guess I'll do uh the sequel to this Jeff Goldblum movie." Josh Brolin was suppo- what auditioned for that part that Eric Stoltz had. Weird. Huh. Yeah, I was watching Hot Ones the other day, and he talked about it. He was like, I went in there, and I started frothing at the mouth on the floor, like writhing on the floor. And the people on the panel were like, thank you very much for coming in. <laughs> Have a great day. He's like, ah, I <laughs> He said up. his agent called him. I was like, what the fuck did you do? And he was like, did I get it? And he was like, no. No, you no, didn't. No, you didn't get it. He's like, what else would you think if somebody was in a cocoon Going through metamorphosis, what would you be doing as a human? Dude, that's like, uh, that's that's a good point. Uh, that's hilarious, man. Um, but you know, needless to say, my number seven is The Fly from 1986, and Jeff Goldblum looked me in the eyes and said, "I love you," and without hesitating, I said, "I love you too." <laughs> and that's a true story. So that's one of the best. Yeah, moments that's ever. that's my number that seven. Sure. That my was entire such a life. Good time. When they were like, oh, somebody didn't smile. Go back. <laughs> and you said, hey, we got to come back. And he's like, oh, I missed you. I missed you. Just like that, dude. Ugh. Fucking Jeff Goldblum. What a he's guy. a fucking treasure. He's very tall. He's a treasure. Uh, my number seven has already been talked about, but it's Rob Zombie's Halloween. Yeah. And <laughs> I get it. When you talk about it, you're like, oh, this isn't Michael Myers. This isn't The Shape. This isn't what John Carpenter wanted. Cool. Throw that in the trash. <laughs> it's still a great fucking slasher movie. Like, it's I love not, you. Though. It really fucking is. <laughs> and how it, okay. is it my favorite if, if a slasher Halloween movie, movie? Is supposed to have suspense. There is zero of that in that movie. I don't so. think that a slasher movie, a slasher remake can have suspense. I don't think it can. Because you totally already know what it's going to do. Because I'm gonna I'm gonna be talking about um, one in a minute. I, I will say that there is some moments of suspense in Rob Zombie's uh, Halloween when uh, in the theatrical cut when she's crawling through the ceiling and he's got the two by four and he's just smashing into the ceiling. That's good. The most boring. I love that scene. I love that scene. It's I love that scene. Anyways, terrible. I don't care that he's too big. I don't care that he's a shark. I don't care that he's not the shape. I think that when you look at it as a fucking movie, it's a great time. And if there was such a thing... Well, you need to look at it as a movie because it's a movie. If there was such a thing as a guilty pleasure (laughs) and I I don't believe in those really, I think that this would fall into that category. I watch this every year. It's so fucking good. I love how the first half kind of goes into the psychology of Michael Myers. Because for the longest time, I could not get behind like, all right, he killed his sister. Why the fuck is he coming back after Lori? I, I just couldn't understand yeah. it. And then Justin and Jeremy would always be like, oh, it's just because it's the fucking shape and like he's just evil and he's pure evil. And I was like, I don't fucking care. I want to know why he's coming back after her. And then Halloween 2 obviously come back for Boo as the sister. Whatever. I think that this is one of the movies where Rob Zombie's hard on for trailer trash actually works and i i just i really like it and uh it's got brad dorif and what more can you ask for there you go it's also got i endorse a this bunch of fucking hot chicks as the the girls in there daniel harris I mean, is back little kills yeah yeah she's back 
I, not in the way we I wanted her, this, but bro. she's back. I'm on your campaign. All right. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm not going to turn this into a Rob Zombie Halloween bashing episode. I'll, I'll save that. I've already done that. <laughs> Our listeners have already heard that. So that's fine. It's cool you like it. You know, it's it's it's, it's understandable. Um, it's funny because I, I saw someone on Twitter saying something about uh, they were going to be reviewing a Rob Zombie movie this week. And they said masterpiece. And I said, I've never heard the words Rob <laughs> Zombie and masterpiece in the same sentence in my entire life. So I, 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 I must listen to whatever they're doing because... It, it's got to be good. I'm gonna have to be convinced of such a such a strong. Not fucking to ruin anything quote. that we have going on, but if you, off the top of your head, had to say your favorite Rob Zombie movie, what would it be? Devil's Rejects. Okay, Justin. I refuse. I refuse to answer because we're gonna be doing a fucking series on Rob Zombie movies, so we can wait until after Devil's that. Rejects. Done. Fuck you, Justin. I'm gonna say Lords of Salem. Yeah, fuck you, Justin. All right, anyways, Justin. Whatever, you can fuck me all you want. It's not going to change my opinion on Rob Zombie's movies. I'll fuck you all I want, Hopefully it'll be the Munsters because, you know, he. it seems like he has his head on straight for that one. So we'll see. But moving on. He's like, all right, imagine the Munsters are living paycheck to paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) And their roof is caved in, but they can't fix it. Looking at the way that the house is built and everything, it looks like they're doing a gorgeous job of that movie. We'll see, though. You know, his wife is still in the movie, so that's here's the other thing I want to talk about. That could ruin about. the whole thing. Here's the thing I want to talk about that I was going to talk about tonight until you guys switched it. I think why is his wife in every movie of his double paycheck, and why is she not in any other movie? Because he's getting the studio to pay her, which it goes She's into whoring. a joint account. They got a joint it's account, really bro. Simple. It's because she can't act, and it's his wife. <laughs> She's horrible. he's being nice. Yeah, she, okay, was, she was she was great in Lords of Salem. That's all she true. was great in Lords of Salem. She was she's okay fine in Lords, in Lords of Salem. Yeah, there's a difference. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> all right, fuck it. Oh. this motherfucking movie. This is a good remake of a slasher, and it's. Not discussed enough, or I should say, it's not loved and appreciated enough. And this movie is one of the first things that led to me and Jeremy becoming friends. Because when we met at a screening of Wes Craven's A Nightmare on Elm Street, we started discussing horror remakes, and this one came up, and I talked about how much I dug it. It's when you look at it from an outside perspective, just as what it what it is, it's two writers that love the first four movies. And they tried to make their own version of those four movies in one. It is a remake of the first movie in passing because we see basically the ending of the first movie in the opening credits. Then it's like, boom. Fuck you. Campers here at the camp and we're going to start killing them off. And it's fantastic. I think I like the tone of it. Um, Brady already talked about the Texas Chainsaw remake, which I'm definitely going to be bringing up in a little bit. Marcus Nispel did both, and I think he did a beautiful job. The movie looks beautiful. I think it's got a great score. It's got fantastic atmosphere, definitely some suspense, and the kills, I mean, for the time period, are really, really good. This is 2009. Again, slashers weren't being churned out every day. This is still the era of Saw ruling the box office. And the movie, it did well. Uh, it did $92 million on a $19 million budget, and we never got our sequel, you know? And I think... In the end, my favorite thing about this movie is the animalistic interpretation of Jason Voorhees by the brilliant Derek Mears. He really gave a physical performance, much like 
what Kane Hodder tried to bring to the character. Now, of course, I still love Ted White. I still love Richard Brooker. I still love a lot of the other different actors that got to don the hockey mask. But something else was different here. It was an actual character performance. And I just really appreciate this movie. And it's fun. I mean, I think people's main issue with it is it's not enough like the originals. I'm like, that's because it takes place in modern fucking times. Yeah. You know, it's not the 80s anymore. People aren't wearing fucking, you know, spandex and have permed hair and shit. It's it's modern times. And that puts people off. They want to feel that same nostalgic feeling they feel from the original movies. And it's just not there with this. But they tried to update it. I get like the whole Jason having like someone <laughs> chained to a wall in a fucking dungeon. Yeah, I didn't really care for that much myself. But other than that element... I loved everything else about it, and I think it's great. So, yeah, my number seven is Marcus Nispel's Friday the 13th. I love it. Great pick. I love it. Yeah. I love it so much that my number six pick is Friday the 13th from 2009. Um, that's how much I love it. <laughs> I knew we would cross yeah, over Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how much here. I love it. Uh, I'll be the first to tell you that I am not a diehard Friday the 13th fan. I'm I'm a casual fan. I enjoy it. You know, my, my shit is I like two, six, seven, ten. Those are the ones that I'm like, Fuck yeah, that's my shit. Ugh, really? Yeah, dude. Absolutely. Ugh. Absolutely. Four is the best of the entire series. Yeah, I mean, dude, that's that's okay. that's cool. You know, um, I'm just not. I don't know, man. I was I was always a Freddy Freddy Krueger guy, so that was always you know the films that I was way more into growing up. Uh, I I enjoyed watching the Jason movies when I was a kid, but it wasn't something that I was like, oh fuck yeah, this is my shit. I worship this. Um, however, this this pseudo remake was. Dude, it was it was fantastic. Uh, I was there opening night to see it because anytime you know any of the big horror icons return, I'm there opening night. Fuck yeah, I gotta be. I gotta see this thing first, you know, before people start talking. Dude, did you go to a midnight screening? Because that's when I saw it was when midnight showings were actually at midnight. I, I think I think there. I did go to a midnight screening. I was fucking shit faced <laughs> for it too. <laughs> Dude, I saw I saw uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre the beginning. Shit face wasted off of moonshine, and it was one of the worst. It was one of the worst experiences ever because I was sitting in the front row because it was sold out because it was opening night. So I had to look up like this the whole fucking movie while I was shit face wasted off of moonshine, and the whole movie I was like, "Don't puke, don't puke, don't puke." I I can just I can puke puke just thinking of the taste. It was awful, dude. It was awful. But uh, (laughs) Friday the Thirteenth, two thousand nine, man. That opening scene alone was worth the price of admission. Like, that's the best part of the entire fucking movie. I agree. That sleeping bag kill. Oh, dude, she's burning over the fire. Like, holy shit, dude. That whole opening sequence, I went, oh, we are in for a fucking treat with this one. I feel like that was as good as it got for the film. Uh, Do I still love the rest of it? Absolutely. The ending, a little lackluster um, with, with I him, totally you know. Agree. Yeah, that's one of the weakest Kind of lackluster, but overall, still a really enjoyable film. I loved, like you said, how brutal Jason Voorhees was in this film. I mean, he was hulking, he was menacing, he kind of ran a little bit, which was also cool. We hadn't seen that in a he's, long time. He's, He's more Ted White than Kane Hodder, probably, I'd say, yeah. for sure, which I liked that. I liked that. I remember in the trailer, it showed him, like, kind of gallop run with the machete over, you know, over his head. And a lot of people were pissed. They were like, he's fucking running. Why is Jason running? Um, He didn't really, like, full-on, full-on run so much. He did a little bit, but not enough to, I guess, like, overly piss people off. But I, 
I don't know, I like that. That's scary as fuck. Okay, if there's a dude coming after me with a machete and he's like walking steadily towards me, I'm like, I'm gonna outrun this motherfucker. But if he's chasing after me with a with, with machete, I, I'm gonna be way more scared because I'm gonna be like, okay, I actually have to run for my life. Um, I loved the look of Jason. I liked that instead of like baghead, Jason was kind of like like bandaged, like wrapped. It was like yeah, wrapped. Yeah, yeah. Looks like kind of yeah. Like a I kind of I kind of dug that as well. And when you when you do get the, the the one glimpse of Jason with his mask off, um, gross looking man. I I dig that. I understand why he wanted to wear a fucking mask. Uh, the cast was great. Um, Derek Mears obviously is the superstar in this, and it's it's very unfortunate. You know, obviously he's gone on to have you know a big career. He was in Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, and shit like that, and he's. He was a predator. He was a predator. Yes. Whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. Not not that kind. Not the not the Chris Hansen kind. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the alien, alien kind. kind. You know that fight. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, dude, he he's okay. he's worked with James Cameron <laughs> and Robert Rodriguez and I mean, he's gone on to have a big career, but he was always so passionate about the franchise that I do hope that when they do finally get cuz it's going to happen at some point there's too much money being left on the table for them to not get a sequel at some point or not to to get another film. I really hope that he gets the chance to play Jason again because, I mean, he championed this thing for so long and he's kept the interest in it alive for so long with all of his convention appearances and stuff. So, yeah, that uh, that's 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 my number my number six. I don't know how we did it, but number six for me is 2009's Friday the Thirteenth. Boom. Um, there it is. As you both know, or you should know. Friday the 13th is a huge franchise for me. Probably my favorite franchise. Um, But this came out at a time where I couldn't watch horror movies. I wasn't allowed to. So my dad and I went to see, I think, some war movie. I think it was Daniel Craig's uh, Defiance with uh, Liev Schreiber and some other kid. Anyways, this showed in like the... (laughs) Some other fucking kid. This showed in like the (laughs) pre-credits where it was like... It wasn't a trailer, but it was like movie trivia. And it was the scene on the lake where the two kids are driving the boat and Jason shoots him through the head with the arrow. The, oh, man. Fantastic yeah. kill. And I said... And people actually try to say this movie isn't good. Right. I mean, the kills alone are worth your price for admission. And I was like, holy crap. And I went back to my friend's house up the street later on and I was like, have you seen any Friday the 13th? And he was like, no. And I was like, we have to watch this. It's amazing. So we got his mom to rent it for us when it came out and we watched it at his house and we were both just stunned. I must have been 14, 15 at the time. And I was in love with it. I hadn't seen any other Friday the 13th. After this is when I started watching the movies and finding my love for it. But I really, really love The Mask. I think that it kind of falls into that Jason trailer trash version of him like Rob Zombie would have done, but it's it's done well. You know what I'm saying? It's done, t- I would say, tastefully. Yeah, for exactly. Sure. It wasn't like, all right, this is a little overdone. Like, it's, com- I can't say much of this movie other than what you guys have said. It, it takes the first four and just combines them all into one. I think the characters are well. Like, all of these kids in this movie, you would have been like, okay, these are in a Friday movie. Like, they all make sense. Trent is the fucking douche. I think 
the your tits are stupendous is a wonderful <laughs> line. I quote it all Dude, the they time. Put, they put the tits, they put the tits, and they put the sex back into Friday the Thirteenth exactly. after it had been absent for so long. I, I think mean, Jared Padalecki's. Yeah. I think Jared Padalecki's Clay is a great stand-in for the Rob we all fell in love with in Friday the Thirteenth Part, part Four. four. Yeah. That just didn't mm-hmm. amount to anything. He was a horrible red herring. I, I I just are there things that I find wrong with it? Sure. Is the ending too much? Yes. But it doesn't stop me from putting it on. It doesn't stop me from loving it. I I think it's a really great remake, and it modernized the franchise and got me excited for what it would do in the future, and unfortunately, it hasn't amounted to anything. So I'm really excited yeah. to see what it does going forward. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate that it did as well as it did at the box office. That you know, I mean, people obviously flocked to it. It showed how big the brand meant to modern audiences, and it's just a shame that they never followed that up and did anything more with it. There could have been plenty of other good Friday the 13th movies after the fact, and I remember reading some of the ideas they had, which were fantastic, but I'm sure that we'll be getting to that remake and doing a full episode on it at some point because I would absolutely love to talk about it more in depth. But we're getting down here to the nitty-gritty. My number six was already discussed, and it's by the same director, Marcus Nispel, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake from 2003, which I recently revisited when we talked about the new Netflix Texas Chainsaw movie a few months back with Mike from Halloweenies. And I immediately had to put this on. I watched the original, then back to back with this. And, you know, I'm going to be totally honest with you guys. Like, I kind of like this one almost as much as the original. I think that they took the basic concept and modernized it and, and fleshed it out a little bit more and made it scary again. I mean, up until this point, the Texas Chainsaw sequels are hit or mostly fucking miss. Uh, that's just how I feel about them. They, they never came quite close to the original or even, you know, Toby Hooper's crazy ass sequel, which I really, really love probably the most out of all of them. But again, they made Leatherface scary again and great kills in the movie. It's the, one of the first of the Michael Bay produced remakes. So it looks glossy, but it also has that gritty, uh, desaturated like sepia tone to it which I really enjoy visually it kind of became the thing to do during that period to make your horror movies look like this but again really enjoyable this one also was a big hit at the box office 107 million on a 9.5 million dollar budget hence why we got the beginning shortly after this which I didn't like nearly as much but it's still Agreed. okay it's like fine uh, but this movie one of the best remakes ever. It's 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 honestly shocking to me that it is actually as good as it is. And since then, we haven't gotten anything, you know, I, I don't think as good in the franchise. But yeah, that's my number six. Great so, pick. R- thanks, man. Uh, yeah, you put it on you. your list. So I, I, you. I would, I would hope you would agree. Right now, we're kind of, other than Rob Zombie's Halloween, we're kind of lock and step with each other in a lot well, of ways. that's more of a you um, thing than us thing, so. Uh, um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, it's That's, two to one. Yeah, Rob Zombie. Absolutely. Come on. You're two to like the million people out there. That fuck, that fuck all movie. them. I don't but fucking that, care about fuck them those hoes. Million people. Fuck y'all, <laughs> all okay. of y'all. If y'all That's don't like okay. me, blow me. Listen, I I had to have therapy because I didn't like that movie after <laughs> I saw it. I took the fucking day off for that shit. <laughs> I'm not going to get into that story, uh, but we're going to take another quick promo break, and then when we come back, the top five. Horror remakes. We'll be right back. I'll be back. 
Hi, this is Mikey. And this is Maddie. And we are the Alone in the Dark podcast. Join us on this nostalgic journey through horror where you will find top five theme podcasts and audio commentaries curated for some of your favorite horror films. If you're into celebrating the best films that came out during a certain year, then you'll really dig our class of episodes. We even repurpose lines from your favorite horror movies to create a brand new story for our special In the World of Podcasts. We bring you something different each and every episode, so let us be your video store curators. Fun is guaranteed, and there are never any late fees. Remember, you're never really alone in the dark. And we are back with our top five horror remakes leading it off I, all right <laughs> we're gonna make sure you were gonna say five because i was like holy shit is he gonna get the number wrong we just did five we're gonna do our top you're you're right be right to elada yes of course i was five. right why are you guys mean to me horror i'm like is he stroking out Listen. right now why do you you're, guys? You're the one earlier that said that you weren't good at math, so I'm just making sure. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at guys. math, but again, it's why all don't good. you guys it's just do so your own thing and bring me on when you want and do what you want? That's cool. What do you yeah, think dude. we're doing right you now? You don't tell us what to do, Brady. How about that? <laughs> I'm just gonna fucking leave this episode. <laughs> you don't talk to your daddies that way. You ever seen the show My <laughs> Two Dads? Of course, of course you haven't, because you weren't born yet. <laughs> I've had seven dads. <laughs> oh, poor Braddy. Oh Braddy. Just fucking give us your top five. All right. Man. Never forget that Melonhead is your oh, true dad and Lord and Savior. Melonhead. All right. Number five for me is a film that I, I love with all of my being. And, you know, top five was really, really difficult for me. Fetty Alvarez's Evil Dead from 2013 is my number five. I can't believe it's so low on my list, but there. You bitch, that's low. That is, it's it's way it too low. low to be honest with but, you. But honestly, it, it's it's in it's your in top my, five though. It's so in my top five, great, but like, dude, this the top five for me was was the hardest shit ever. But we've discussed this film on the podcast. I love this movie. Uh, I don't necessarily consider this to be a remake. I feel like this could. Could have all happened in the same universe. Uh, of course, it was darker and grittier than than the the Sam Raimi Evil Dead films. But I feel like you know there was the Delta that was there outside of the cabin that could have been Ash's Delta. That's kind of how I've always looked at it. But this movie was brutal as fuck, man. I mean, at that time, it was probably the most brutal movie I had ever seen in theaters from like a mainstream full theatrical rollout of a film. No doubt. I mean, no dude, doubt. you've yeah. got fucking tongues being split in half with knives. I mean, you've got, like, dude, the nail gun scene makes me cringe every single fuck. You feel so bad for that fucking guy because you're like, man, he's just getting fucked up. I love that movie through and through. Um, they did an interview recently where he talked about uh, they, they were going to kill Mia off. In the in the film, yeah, I saw that, and th- yeah. they and then Raimi says like, that they dude, shouldn't. In the whole movies, yeah, the whole the movie hero. would just be so fucking dark and fucked up. I, man, I, I'm one of those those guys that I do like like an unhappy ending where nobody makes it out alive. Um, I do, so I'm like, ah, man, I I feel like that could have worked too. Like the fucking house, the cabin got everybody. You know, the the deadites got everybody. But I, you know, it's cool that it it ended the way that it did. And I I love this movie. It's it's a film that I can pop on anytime and just be so entertained and so grossed out and so on the edge of my seat no matter how many times I've seen it. So number five for me is Evil Dead from 2013. 
Nice. Brata. Number five for me, I talked about nice. on last week's episode. It's Let Me In, which is a remake of Let the Right One In. Uh, I think it's a great vampire movie, but really, the end-all be-all of it is Matt Reeves is a genius, and I'm upset that I didn't watch this sooner because you have fucking Richard Jenkins as a serial killer who murders people and then drains them of their blood for his daughter, who is a vampire. But it also makes you feel for the daughter because she's lonely and the the main protagonist kid that you're looking at is also lonely and he's bullied. And it's just, it's a brutal film that talks about being bullied and all these issues that you have as a kid in modern America. And I just, I think it's really good. So I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Uh, like I said, Richard Jenkins is an amazing actor. Um, and I think that he's kind of slept on but he really shines in this role and I haven't seen the original, but I need to see it. And I, I, I think anybody who loves vampires and serial killer lore needs to watch this movie. Dude, I, you know, it, it's important to me that you said you haven't seen the original one in, which is uh, let me in um, mm-hmm. or no, let me in is the remake. Let the right one in. I thought it was let the right one. Yeah. In. Let the right one in is the original. So I, I saw let the right one in when it initially came out. Um, and it is such a beautiful, beautiful and fucked up movie. And it's, it's a foreign film. Uh, you know, I watched it with all the, the subtitles and shit like that. Now with the stupid overdubs and shit. And it, it is a, it's a masterpiece. So when I watched, let me in, I was already disappointed in the fucking name. So I'm like, all right, not only are you doing a remake of this thing, even though like, dude, they made the remake so close to when the original came out. It was like oh, this is a huge success, well, let's remake it. It's like, why? It's like Train to Busan, right? It's a fucking yeah. masterpiece. I don't give a fuck what American filmmaker you give that film to remake because they're making a remake to Train to Busan. I will not watch it because you cannot come close to capturing what made Train to Busan amazing. And that's kind of how I felt about this one. So if you liked this one so much that it's in your top five. Like, dude, you got to watch the original because I feel like the original is a superior and completely unfiltered and unapologetic uh, film and storytelling uh, to where they kind of Americanized the source material and to, to make it appeal to a larger demographic and, and audience. Uh, of course, a lot of the, the themes and, and the storyline is very similar, but... Um, I just feel like it's the original is is far superior, man. So you gotta check that out. Um, that's but that's that's interesting that that's in your top five and you haven't seen the original. Not shitting on you for that. I just think that you gotta no, fuck, no, you, no, yeah it. you you gotta watch the original, man. I I get why it's probably that way because obviously we know that that Brady came to you know a lot of these movies much later in life. So that that's gotta be exciting though. And this is something that I envy Same. you all Same. the time that you get to experience a lot of these movies that me and Jeremy already grew up with or have already seen for the first time. And that's got to be really exciting that you have a long ass list. I mean, granted, there's a bunch of movies that I've never seen too, that I still would like to experience, but that's something that, you know, that's a good thing to have, man. It's exciting. So great pick, but um, moving along. This is a movie that I also discussed recently, but it was on a patron only episode that Jeremy, I did on underrated horror movies 
And yes, this is Chuck Russell's The Blob from 1988, I think is definitely in my top five. So that means it's one of the best remakes ever to hit the horror genre. Takes the basic concept, as I said before, uh, and adds upon it and, and does something totally different with it. And unlike the original, this is a creature feature and to the fullest extent. To, they really put everything they had into the creature effects in this, and they're still impressive to this day. I mean, it's got Kevin Dillon in the movie, um, and it, the setting is very similar, but it has this tongue-in-cheek vibe to it at times which makes it really super fun i mean it's a great throwback to those monster movies of the 50s but it also has the really awesome gross out brutal effects of the 80s so it's 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 a perfect mix unfortunately it did not do anything at the box office it actually bombed 10 million dollar budget and it only made 8 million dollars you'd think that at this point in time they would have you know tristar pictures would have been able to market a remake of the blob Unfortunately, they didn't know how, but it has a cult following now. It's such a blast to watch. I mean, I'd love to screen this one for Terror Tuesday because I think with an audience, any movie that takes place where there's a scene in a movie theater, you know what I mean? It's 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 fantastic. So I'd love to do that. But yeah, so my number five is The Blow. Oh, yeah. Epic, uh, epic pick, you know, uh, Chuck Russell, Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Fuck yes. I love it. I love yeah, it. Number mm-hmm. four for me is film that's also been talked about on this uh, episode already. 2004's Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead, the original, is in my top five favorite movies of all time. So doing a remake of a film that I love that much is is automatically puts it in a category of I'm skeptical about what I'm about to get, right? I remember seeing this opening night and loving it so goddamn much that I was it was one of those films that I walked out of excited like completely energized from it it gave me something completely new uh with with a story that was familiar um in a setting that we all you know we all grew up going to malls and shit like that so like this movie just really energized me and i was like i loved it so much that i went back and saw it again the next day um i love the fast zombies i love the dude from modern family uh ty and I'm, his last name's escaping me, whatever, it doesn't matter. He was fantastic. Mm, yeah, yeah. Like I said earlier, we don't give a fuck I don't give a fuck. Well, I, watch, I watch too many movies, man. You know, is your name Kurt Russell? Then I'm not remembering it. So, uh, Our he was such a douche in that. He was so such much. an asshole, like a rich asshole, and I loved it. Ving Rhames was fantastic. I mean, you, you had fucking zombie babies popping out of fucking pregnant women. What a... F- Fucking awesome movie, dude! And it's not just Zack Snyder; it's James Gunn, Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah, who wrote Suicide it, yeah. Squad, J- fucking Troma, uh, Tromeo and Juliet. We're talking about fucking Slither. James Gunn. He wrote the screenplay. Zack Snyder directed it. It was awesome, man. I still love this movie to this day. It just, it is a ton of fucking fun. That is my number four. All right. Number four for me, I don't think really needs to be much discussion from me personally. Uh, It's The Thing. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Uh, Kurt Russell might make me question my sexuality. That's a handsome man. That's a handsome man with that long hair. But I remember... (sighs) 
not even that. I <laughs> I was talking to somebody at work the other day, and I think that when you compile a list of movies that you could rewatch, like kind of like wipe the slate clean and rewatch movies again for the first time, this would be the number one. Like if I could go back and rewatch the thing as the first time every time I watched it, it would be amazing. The special effects, the practical effects are fucking amazing. Kurt Russell's amazing. I mean, the entire cast is amazing, but like you, through the entire movie, you feel their fear. You feel their claustrophobia. You feel what they're feeling. It's just an amazing movie and it never gets old. Like I can go back and rewatch it and just enjoy it every single fucking time. And there's a board game that's out there. I played with my brother-in-law during quarantine where like you have to figure out who's the thing. I'm, I'm bidding on one right now. Fantastic. I don't, I don't own one. I'm actually bidding on one of those right now. So the game. Yeah. None of you fuckers better outbid me. <laughs> I'll outbid you. We were, we were selling them at Alamo draft house. Like, I know dude. Counter, I'm a like, fucking a years ago. I almost, I out. almost bought one from Alamo so many fucking times and I was like, oh, I'll get it next time. And I just never did. And I have a huge, the thing collection, so like that's just something that I feel like I need to own. I think it's also like I don't know if quarantine made it a bigger thing for me, but watching it during quarantine, I was like, holy shit! So relatable. This is even more relatable. Like you don't know who has it for sure. You don't know like if you invite someone in, like even though they're in your quote unquote bubble, like who's gonna have it? Who's gonna give it to you? Do you have to send them to the other room? Coronavirus. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I, I'm surprised that more people didn't bring up, you know, how, how close the movie relates to what we went through for the past couple of years. You didn't, you saw everyone talking about contagion of all fucking movies. Dude, like, not the thing. I'm like, <laughs> the thing is the the closest it, thing. It, it, was, it was one of I the first, it that. was one of the first things that I, when COVID first became a thing and you know, everything started shutting down like literally one of the first things that I ever posted about COVID. I wasn't one of those people that overly posted about it either, but one of the only things I ever posted about COVID was the very beginning. I posted a picture of Kurt Russell as RJ McCready and it said, we're all very tired and we don't know who to trust. Whatever the line was. Um, yeah. And it, dude, it's so, it's so true. You know, we were, we, we were all so bogged down, like our entire lives, everyone was flipped. And, you know, turned upside down. And, yeah, we were all, nobody knows who to trust anymore. And we're all very tired. Was was very accurate. When uh, when COVID first happened, we obviously all had our bubbles. Like, people that you could invite over, you couldn't invite over. So, we had a friend, couple friends that we invited over. And they were like, one of them was like, hey, let's watch Contagion tonight. And I said... Okay, I watched that in like a biology class when I was in school. Like, sure, we'll watch it again. Haven't seen it in a while. So we're watching it. And about halfway through, one of them goes, this is exactly how we need to think to get over this. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, what? And they were like, you know that they are doing the exact same thing that we should be doing right now to get over coronavirus. And And that's the moment when Brady was like, get the (laughs) fuck out of my house I right now. looked at Paige across the couch <laughs> and made that look that only couples can make I've to seen each other that like. look I've seen you give that look I've seen it <laughs> and I said oh okay do I know this person Are we we're, We don't need to out them or anything no geez. we don't need to out them I'll tell you guys afterwards but uh, it was it was definitely eye opening and I was like this is a fucking movie <laughs> that's Matt Damon <laughs> anyways hit me Justin hit me Justin 
Yeah, yeah. So my number four, this is a movie that I actually saw in the theater with B. Rata, Rata Lata. It's from 2020. It's Lee Winnell's The Invisible Woo! Man, inspired by H.G. Wells' novel of the same name, and of course, the original film uh, starring Claude Rains. It is, I think, a modern horror masterpiece. I know not as many people were loving this movie as much as I was, but man, this fucking thing was a nail biter, and I can't not love a horror movie with Elizabeth Moss. The movie takes the idea of abuse in, in terms of relationship abuse, and it kind of turns it into what this horror movie is um domestic abuse is a huge theme throughout and it made it really smart it is not elevated horror because i hate that fucking term more than anything but it's just smart horror you know what i mean it's it's taking a, a basic idea something that we deal with every day in this country and uses it as the backbone of what this movie is about and it makes it terrifying obviously playing with technology in a way that we had never seen before yes i know hollow man kind of touched on it hollow man is fun but it was never yeah. scary this movie the it's dinner kind of scene disturbing. the, knife Dude, the sound the design the sound design in this movie yeah. oh Holy for shit. sure well i mean i found myself constantly looking around like just like the characters are like whoa like where yeah. is he you know what i mean like and then after this movie it was the first time as an adult i feel like maybe there was other instances but that i can remember where after i got back from the movie i'm looking around and i'm like dude, there could be someone in this fucking room invisible just sitting there and I wouldn't even know it. You know, the imagery in the movie is terrifying. Absolutely fantastic. Brilliantly directed and it had a beautiful score. Great cinematography. I think Lee Winnell is by far one of the best, you know, up and coming directors doing horror right now. It's such a shame that his remake of The Wolfman that he exited the project because him, Ryan Gosling, as The Wolfman, that just sounded like a match made in heaven and something that I'd be super excited about. Unfortunately, he left. So my excitement for that has started to uh, go down the drain a little bit. But this movie, again, one for the ages and one of the better horror movies of the last few years. So that's my number four, The Invisible Man. Oh, yeah. Mm. My number three has also been talked about already. It is Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 2003. This movie scared me in the theaters. Like, like I, I was, I just graduated high school, and I remember that a, uh, a friend picked me up to see it, and, dude, my parents had just moved to a new house, so I'm like in a new neighborhood that I wasn't really overly familiar with, and like, so my buddy after the movie, dropped me off at my parents' house, and I remember dead ass running, like, all right, man, see you later. <laughs> like running from the vehicle <laughs> to my front door because I was like, dude, I don't know this neighborhood and I feel like Leatherface could pop out from behind those bushes right now. The casting was amazing from from Jessica Biel to Arlie Ermey to even Andrew Byronowski. I've <laughs> talked about how crazy he was to meet in real life uh, before on the show, but uh, best believe that I'd also be terrified to run into Andrew Byronowski on the streets, not just Leatherface. Uh, guy's a wackadoo. But uh, the movie's fun, man. It's it's fun, and it's brutal as fuck. We weren't, at that time, this was the very beginning of the remake craze. Like, I feel like Texas Chainsaw Massacre was the one that kind of jumped it off. That was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I think we got something here with taking these old properties and just remaking it. I feel like Texas Chainsaw was one of the first ones that did it. Then, then you know, we got a slew of remakes afterwards. For another, another 10 years after this one, we got just straight up like, oh, 
this was popular back in the day. They started remaking silly shit. It's like, wow, getting a remake of this one now? Like, anything and everything was getting a, a fucking remake because you never knew what was going to be the next Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Because quite a few of these remakes, you know, were very successful at the box office. But this one, man, it was unsettling. And like you said, Justin, the, the sequels to Texas Chainsaw Massacre were all kind of a mixed bag. I love them all. I've, I've said so on the show. Uh, don't have any love for 3D, but the other sequels I all love for different reasons. This one I feel like brought it back to what made the original terrifying. Um, you know, the the nice stranger that you meet that you're relieved to see when you're running for your life because there's a killer after you might also be part of the killer clan that you're desperately trying to escape. And I think that's really terrifying that even a friendly face from someone that you've met could also be your worst nightmare. So, Texas Chainsaw 2003 gave us Jessica Biel in a wife beater and jeans and mm. hallelujah. That cowboy, that cowboy hat. hat. Hallelujah. Oh, that cowboy hat. Not to get oh. into a past episode, but that was probably my biggest issue with the new Texas Chainsaw on Netflix was that... You didn't think any of the checks were hot? Well, I didn't think any of the checks were hot. <laughs> it was woke, no, ratty. a wife beater and a cowboy hat, but... The thing with Texas Chainsaw is Listen, like, you're not about to say that anymore. It's the family. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to get canceled. Cancel be ratty. Uh, but I think... <laughs> Hashtag like, cancel bratty. The fact, <laughs> there it is. It's the fact that you're like in a town, a small ass town, where you call people for help and then they're the ones working against you. And this movie got back to that and was like, cool, this is everything that made it work. Like, Leatherface is terrifying. Sure. But on his own... He's not like the most inescapable figure. Like, you run away from him, you get away from him, but then you call a cop and the cop rescues you, sure. But what if that cop you call is his father? Yeah. What if that hotel you go to is run by his mother or his grandmother or his aunt? Like, it's it's a terrifying feeling, and I think this movie really got back to it. So I love this movie. Love that it's so high on your list. Yeah, dude. It's really I mean, for it. when I when I when I look at films that have come out in the past twenty years in horror. Some remakes are, are absolutely on my list of like, man, these this is one of the greatest horror films to come out in the past 20 years. And I feel like Texas Chainsaw 2003 just, it gave me every... Woo! Brady's, Brady's getting white boy wasted. Um, <laughs> but I, I feel like this, this movie kind of checked all of my boxes. It gave me what I want as a horror fan and as a movie lover. Uh, that's why it's so high on my list. And like I said, it, it is, I consider to be one of the the best horror films that have come out in the past 20 years, theatrically at least. Yeah. Well, well, number three for me is a remake of a Romero film that I had never seen. It's The Crazies. And I don't like zombie movies. They don't do it for me. So, like, when you guys talk about Dawn of the Dead or Night of the Living Dead, like, they're fine movies, but zombies have never really scared me or worked for me in any shape or form. But I don't think that this movie is, like, a traditional zombie flick, you know? The movie follows a town in Iowa that's water supply, gets tainted by a chemical agent from the government, and instead of turning into zombies, these people just kind of start becoming murderous and wanting to kill each other, and... I think that that's a great tale. It's it's kind of like um, a version of The Stand from Stephen King if it was done correctly. Was that a fart? 
And I just think that <laughs> Timothy Oliphant is a great fucking actor. Uh, he's in one of my favorite screen movies, probably close to my favorite screen movie. And he's got a great horror pedigree. Did you guys watch, um, was it the Santa Clara Diet? I watched. Yeah, I, I watched it. Santa Clara. I watched Diet, the first yeah. season and loved it, and then I started watching the second season, and I just felt like what made the series great in the first season was kind of absent in the second season. So I bailed. Mm-hmm. I bailed during the second one. Yeah, but the first season was. I great. get that great show. I think that he just kind of has. I mean, he's great in anything he's in, but I really love him in horror movies because I think he has the kind of demeanor that works well in it where he's a little witty he's a little sarcastic a little dry but Dude, also can be serious he was he played a bad guy in a comedy and was terrifying and the girl next door he played yeah, the fucking uh the the drug dealer pimp or whatever the yeah. the, the porn guy <laughs> um dude he even in a comedy he's very imposing and very scary and can kind of play a, a horror type character even in a comedy he, he's a fucking amazing actor but this movie has some like really genuine scary moments i don't know how recently you guys have seen it when the last time you saw it was opening night in theaters that was the last time i saw that scene where his wife is in the like the hospital strapped to the the table and the guy's bringing the pitchfork in and stabbing people dude that's fucking crazy hence the title like exactly the craziest but <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> he didn't even see what he was doing there I, uh, I love it so that's that's my number Dude, two. i i also have not seen that movie since it came out and just you describing it with uh such love and, and passion for it makes me like even though i have to wake up very early in the morning and trust me the only thing i'm doing when this podcast is over is going the fuck to sleep it makes me want to watch it yeah. right now so i might have to watch this tomorrow well before we go on i I don't understand why it was so, like, under the radar. It came out in, like, 2010. There wasn't really anything else coming out at that time. I, I It's one of Romero's lesser-known it, well, horrors, it, it, I guess. Yeah, that's you just said it right there. It's not like it's a huge name with large brand recognition. It's one of his lesser-known, less successful movies that was being remade. So there wasn't much fanfare or hype for it or anything I, like I've, that. Yeah. So most people didn't I remember know at was. the time it wasn't, like, it didn't have a big promotional push either. Um, so I feel like people maybe looked at it like when they did see a trailer run for it, they're like, I don't know what that is. And I I just remember the trailers weren't anything that made me go, oh, fuck, I got to see this. Of course, I knew that it was a a Romero remake and, you know, of course I wanted to see it, but I could see how an average person would be like, I don't know what that is. And maybe I'll catch it when it comes out on, on video, you know? Yeah. I would say it's probably his best zombie movie. Damn. That's, that's a fucking bold ass statement. Yeah, it is. You know, it's been great having you on the podcast, Brady. <laughs> We're going to go now. All right, Justin. All right, so I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, here's Wonderwall. Number three for me, already been discussed at least once here. It's from 2013, and it's Fede Alvarez's Evil Dead. God, I love Jane Levy. I would love to see her come back to the franchise in some way. It would be great if she made a cameo in Evil Dead Rise. I don't know. I just absolutely loved her... She was a great stand-in for Bruce Campbell's Ash. I know a lot of people bitched that he wasn't in that movie or the character of Ash was not in that movie, even though in the Stupid end credits, it was dumb. I don't even think they should have Same. included it because it made no sense at all. And it was not good fan service, but everything you said, Jeremy, perfectly, this movie is meaner than the original two movies, definitely meaner than Army of Darkness. 
It's brutal. Do you remember the lead up to this? That people were talking about, it's it's almost like Last House on the Left, where people were like, dude, you might need a barf bag for this movie. The hype, the level of hype that this movie was going to be too gory for you to watch it, too brutal that you'd have to close your eyes. I went into this being a horror fan, being scared to see this movie, like worried that it was going to be something that I had never seen before and be too yep. gruesome. And I sat there loving every second of it. They used addiction as an analogy for this horror, this terror, this evil that was coming through all of these characters and experiencing uh, throughout and took the basic concept. Again, great remake takes the idea, does something different and fresh with it. And it gets shit on all the time, but I'm happy to see so many fans uh, over the last few years, you know, revisiting the movie, Um, you know, Fide Alvarez coming out the last couple of years and really showing that he has a lot of style in the horror genre. I mean, Don't Breathe was fantastic as well. And, you know, I would have loved to see more Evil Dead from him. But unfortunately, it didn't happen. But this movie, absolute blast, and made a shitload at the box office. Almost $100 million on a $17 million budget, which means the Evil Dead brand was alive then. It's still alive now. So I hope that Rise... Is is just as good. I think. I think better. we're. I think so we're we'll in see. for a treat with that one. Definitely. We'll, we'll see. But yeah, number three for me is number Evil Dead. two for me is a movie that I love so much. Uh again, this is this is a comment that people might want to revoke my horror membership card. I don't give a fuck. I'm gonna say it anyways. I think that it's better than the original, and I love. Okay, this is this is a take that I was hoping to hear from your mouth. I don't even know what movie it is, it's, but I was hoping someone was going to say it's better than, than the original. The original. Um, I will stand by that, and I will fight for that with everything that I have inside of me. And I love Wes Craven, but I also love the remake of The Hills Have Eyes from 2006 mm. more than I love the original Hills Have Eyes. And I like the original The Hills Have Eyes. I've got a cast sign poster. I've met the cast. It's It's... It is a great horror film. I feel like what Alejandre Aja did with Aja. Aja. Take on me. Different Aja. Different Aja. Take, Take, on Take me. me home. Take, Take me home. I'll be gone. And I'll tell you And that's when our listeners were like, fuck that. Yep. (laughs) Unsubscribe. I want my dollar back every month from the Patreon. I'm out. I'm going to cancel my Patreon membership right now. Sorry, Danielle, also. (laughs) (laughs) So I... We love you, Danielle. I, I I love this fucking movie because it takes the exact plot of Wes Craven's original source material and just makes it fucking crazier and makes it more brutal and in my opinion it makes it scarier man and you got the guy that played buffalo bill as the family you know as the dad man and you know oh god the whole the whole movie is is just insanity and it never lets up which is why i love this movie like dude you've got you know women that are being raped in front of their family members you've got these cannibal mutants that are like fucking killing animals. You know, you've got them taking the the dad and 
making the whole family watch him burn to death. They fucking steal the baby. Like, oh my god. And then the, the guy that is like the nerdiest character that the fucking dad has no respect for because he doesn't think he's manly enough. He has to be the one that's like, fuck this. I got to get my baby back and I got to fight these fucking monster mutants. And he's got to go into Rambo mode and he's a, he's, he's a nerd, man. And, you know, when, when you got family on the line, you do what you got to do. And this guy steps up to the plate. And like I said, the thing about this movie that I love is just it keeps building and building and building. And it gets more and more fucked up. And unrelenting, man. Um, I, I honestly, I thought that we were gonna get such amazing things out of Alejandro Aja, you know, because we had he had done High Tension, which is a fucking masterpiece. Oh, it is a funny. fucking masterpiece. And then he, he, like, dude, he followed it up with, with this, and I was like, holy shit, master of horror, fuck yes. And then, unfortunately, I, you know, it, it was one of those things where I feel like he kind of. Shows some some things that were some missteps in his career. He did Mirrors with Kiefer Sutherland that mm. I didn't think was a great movie, and then he did the Piranha remake, which was okay. I, I was love it the was Piranha fun. Remake. It was fun, but I think there's also a reason why it's not on any of our top ten lists. Or is it? Didn't he do a uh, Crawl? Good good reminder. Oh, you know what? He did. You know and what? I think I think Crawl I will give you I will give you that movies. one because that movie was fucking amazing. So you know what? I forgot yeah, he made yeah. that one. So. Good on you, Braddy. I, I will accept it. Thanks. So, you know. I will accept it. I love The Hills Have Eyes from 2006. I'll take it over the original any day. Fight me, bro. Fight me. Come at me. I will I'm say. Honestly, I'm with you on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like it, too. I will say, also, he's not a nerdy character. He played fucking Pyro in X2. Come on, did he? man. <laughs> yeah, he did. Good for that guy. Yeah, good for him. Uh, my my number two has already been talked about, but it's probably one of my top five movies of the last ten years, and it's 2020's The Invisible Man. Hell yeah, uh, good boy, great good boy, movie, dude. Rata. I this movie has a good story to it. So Justin and our good friend, the God of Podcasting, Brian Loy, have, we're going to see this at Alamo one night, and they were like, hey. Do you want to go? And I was like, ah, I don't know. What time is it? They were like, oh, it's at like 9.30 and I was working until like 9 o'clock. Yeah, it was a late showing. Yeah, so it? I would yeah. have had to go like across town and I was opening the next day, which would have been like 4 a.m. for me. And I was like, I don't know. So I kept like hemming and hawing. And then finally I was like, just fucking get me the ticket. I'll go. So I closed the store down. It was a mess. I drove to Alamo. I got there, all three of us sat there and watched this fantastic film, and just like Justin said, there were moments in the movie where we looked around, but I remember specifically one moment, are we doing spoilers? I remember specifically. When her sister gets her throat slit at the table, all three of us looked at each other like, what the fuck are we watching? Like... This is incredible. and Great moment. It was like all of us were just sitting up in our seats watching it. And it's a modern retelling of the story. It brings it into current age. It's it's The sound design is amazing. But it's also extremely relevant because like Justin said, it's 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 something that happens in our culture all the fucking time. And it, Invisible it, people, it, you mean? Movies enough. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. There's an, an invisible person right behind me, but yeah. abuse. They're called ghosts. And I think... Is yeah, he yeah. trying to get you to suck his dick? It looks like he is. 
Brady's like, so the movie, like, I don't know. What's that thing going into the side of your face, dude? I'm like, anyways, I think it's a great movie. It's extremely unnerving. I hate you guys. That's my number two. My number two. (laughs) (laughs) This movie. Yeah, great, uh, great intro. Oh, is it? Is it? That's cool. That's cool. That is made for this movie. Yes, it was already discussed. It is David Cronenberg's masterpiece. One of the best horror movies ever made, The Fly. Uh, I love this movie. It's a love story. It's tragic. It's got Oscar-worthy performances throughout and some of the best creature effects ever put to film. I love the the behind-the-scenes of this movie. Mel Brooks produced this That's insane. Mm -hmm. It's so crazy to think that. Um, I would love to do a deep dive on this movie someday. It's, It's definitely one of my favorites, and it's strange to say... An absolute comfort flick for me. And I think it has to do with Goldblum's performance. He's so likable. He's so charming as he's going down into the depths of darkness and this transformation into this creature. You still feel for him at every step. And it's an emotional experience that you're feeling and seeing how he's turning into this thing and how at at the end of the day, he, he knows what his fate is and he's still trying to figure it out. Um, I just absolutely love this movie so, so much. I think it's just one of the best to ever grace the genre. And it's another one. You know, it did pretty well at the box office. It didn't knock the socks off or anything. $60 million on a, a nine, a reportedly a $9 million budget. But if you're ever interested, uh, the original Blu-ray has like a great old vintage behind the scenes. Jeff Goldblum's in it. Mel Brooks is in it. Watch it. It's some of the most interesting shit ever how this movie got made. It really is. It's crazy. And I think just what Jeremy said, I like the original The Fly, but get the fuck out of here. Let's make no mistake. This is a million times better than the original Vincent Price movie. It's just absolute masterful filmmaking. So so my number two, The Fly. I'm going to ask you guys real quick because I've been going on my Cronenberg journey and rewatch this one. If you were Jeff Goldblum, and you were turning into a fly, would you just keep going like he did? Or would you just be like, yeah, I got to have someone like take me out. Take me out. Yeah. Like at what point uh, would hard, you have said, take say. me out? Um, Once my uh, my appendages started falling off, I'd be like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not trying to really see my dick fall off. So <laughs> somebody go ahead and just uh, take me out, bro. So it's the dick falling off is That was the breath that'd be the breaking point for person. <laughs> well, my dick just fell off. It just end the, it. The guy, yeah, he, he's a scientist, right? So his whole perspective and his whole being is about experimentation. So I feel like that's what makes sense why he lasts as long as he does in the transformation. Otherwise, a normal person would be like, what the fuck? Like anyone today, look how ugly I got. Boom, blow their fucking brains out. Dude, I got a, a haircut totally I didn't want it. And I'm like, take me out. <laughs> I mean, I think they, they, they show right in the beginning of the movie, he's not a vain person. He doesn't care about how he dresses. He wears the same shit every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? So all of that's presented in the character and yeah. the writing. So that's why it makes sense for him to like allow this to continue. And also, he's still in love. Yeah. You know what I mean? He still has that part of him left, that human element, which is why, again, the ending is so tragic, but it's so powerful. I just love it so fucking much. So yeah. That's my number two. So, dude, we are down right now. Number one, top horror remake ever. Jeremy, mm. 
Numero uno. I bet I know what it is. You got... Ev Number everybody one. fucking knows what this is. Because I talk about this film all the time. You know, before before we started recording, I was telling you guys, there was a point in time where this movie was just in my top ten. And then it crept up into my top five. It's a movie that I like more every single time that I've seen it. And I've seen it countless times. On my trip to the Kurt Russell thing, I, I have this movie saved to my phone. Uh, I was on a flight, apparently a poor person flight, because there was, like, no <laughs> fucking TVs <laughs> in front of me or whatever. So I watched this movie with headphones on, and the person next to me, I think, was just absolutely revolted, man. Like, disgusted. Oh, my God. What is he yeah, watching? Yeah, it's, it's John Carpenter's The <laughs> they Thing. They were like, oh, is this Backdraft? Is this Backdraft? Uh, John Carpenter. <laughs> is, that is that the one with the, with the fire? <laughs> yeah, there's fire in it, bitch. There's Dude, fire. John Carpenter's The Thing. It's... Again, it's 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 almost I almost can't separate it from Halloween is my favorite movie of all time and and the thing is right there as well. It's hard for me at this point to differentiate which one I love more. Um it's just an absolute masterpiece. It's a film that I would not recast anyone. I would change nothing. You know, even in Halloween, it's my favorite movie of all time. There's a couple things that it's like, "Oh, okay, like Maybe tweak this. Maybe I don't know. It's that's a fucking perfect movie, also. But this movie is perfection. I I love every moment of it. It's it's also like Justin, you mentioned the flies, like a comfort film for you. The thing is a comfort film for me. I love slow burn horror films, and this is very much a slow burn film. Uh, and you have so many. It's so it's written so well that you've got all these different characters and none of them are like really interchangeable you 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 wouldn't be able to be like oh well this one kind of is almost like this character because it was lazy writing like every single character has their own qualities that differentiates them from the next and i just love it, it it's about paranoia nobody knows who to trust and they're all very tired like like i said earlier man it's just it's a terrifying thought well what if you were in that situation you know like it you know, I, I think it's better that we uh, we just all start eating out of out of canned food, you know, because we we shouldn't do prepared food. Because even if even if it's just a small sample of the DNA, that's all it takes to take somebody over to turn you into one of them. So they're eating fucking food out of cans. They're all tired. They're all still drinking because they're fucking miserable and they know that they're doomed. Man, it's a fucking it's about aliens too. Probably one of the scariest alien stories ever told it's 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 just brilliant i love it man um you know of course it's it is a remake uh what's funny is that when you watch john carpenter's the thing the thing from another world is is a movie that he grew up loving right it was a howard hawks film yeah what it's one, one of, of his favorite, favorite movies, movies of all time yeah. so much so that in halloween they're watching it you see they're it. watching yeah. the thing from another world <laughs> How amazing is that? It's a precursor. Yeah. It's like an Easter egg for what was to what, what was to come. And I know that when the project first came his way, he was hesitant because of how much he loves yeah. the original. But who else but John Carpenter to make a masterpiece? It, it, it's actually you know? the thing is John Carpenter's favorite film that he ever created. For um, sure, he's he's mm -hmm. gone on records saying many times that it's it's the, his favorite film he's ever made, and I'm I'm so thankful that he did make it because I just. I fucking love it. And what's crazy is that uh, over the past couple of years, I've gotten into the the uh, like the fan base of the thing. I'm in all of these uh, thing uh, fan groups and shit like that. And let me tell you what, man, 
this is this is definitely like like I said earlier about Kurt Russell saying it took thirty years for this thing to catch on. This thing is catching traction every single day. I'm in these groups and I see these people that worship this movie that it is their favorite fucking movie of all time. It's just incredible. I could go on for hours just talking about this movie, but my number one is, of course, John Carpenter's The Thing. Great pick. Let me ask you this. If we were all stuck in an outpost and it came down between Justin and I, who would you torch? I already, I already know. <laughs> I, you're like his son, dude. Man. Oh, Justin, yeah. you you would get fucking right. torched, bro. Because like Justin, Justin, <laughs> Justin would be one of the fucking people that'd be like, oh, things are going south quickly, and he would be boozing <laughs> it hard, right? And then he'd be drunk, and I'm like, <laughs> he'd, he'd be boozing it hard, and then I'd be like, yo, I think he's the thing. He's having too much fun right now. <laughs> we would be sitting there, drunk. and Justin would be boozing, and I'm like showing all these transformative changes, and you're like, nah, I gotta go with Justin. Uh, I've gotta torch Justin. <laughs> gotta torch him. Let me get rid of him. I can deal with Brady. <laughs> my uh, my number one has already been number talked two, about. Number two, number one, number but, one, uh, number three. For me, I saw this one, again, before I saw the original, and it's 2013's Evil Dead remake. Um... I love this movie. I think it's better than the original, and I love the original. I hate 2. I hate Evil Dead 2 so much. Uh, But I just, it's so mean-spirited. And the end, you're not left with any feeling of like, oh, cool, the movie's over. You're like, oh, like, this kind of fucking sucks. What did you say about Evil Dead 2? I hate uh, Evil Dead He too. said that he wants to be removed from this podcast. Man, you've, you've certainly made made some eye-opening, uh, questioning comments. Is you trying to be a contrarian? No, B-ratty? I hate Evil Dead 2. So after I watched the 2013... You just don't like I went back. masterpiece, great films? Is that what it is? Well, I just don't like shitty movies. That's all. Wow. It's okay. He, 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 go ahead. That's fine. And... I think that, look, <laughs> Evil Dead 2 triggered. is just a shitty movie that was like, oh, we're going to have a bigger budget, so let's make a better version triggered. of Evil Dead that did not work out. Triggered again. And I think that if you want a good Evil Dead movie, just watch the first one. Anyways, the remake is great. I think the characters are wonderful, like Justin said. It brings addiction into it and gives a modern tale on it. Uh like Jeremy said, I don't know if it's definitely a remake because Fetty Alvarez came out and said, well, in the Evil Dead universe, technically they're all, there's a version of this where this is actually Ash's version. So, like, it could all be going on at the same time. So, it's like, but, it's like a multiverse of Evil Dead. Yeah. Okay with I, that. I, I love this movie and I, I can put it on anytime, like, watch it back to back to back, and it's my number one. Because, like I said, I it's better than the first one. Highly recommend to those that have not watched the unrated cut, the recently resurfaced unrated cut. It's Fede Alvarez's preferred version of the movie. Pretty sure you can rent it and stream it and buy it digitally. I don't think they did a physical release, if I remember, because I was pissed about that a couple years ago. But I did watch it, and yeah, it adds a little bit more. It's definitely the best version to watch of the movie. And you guys... 100%. Did you guys see where Alvarez came on Twitter a couple weeks ago? And like showed his uh, what his original ending was supposed to be. Yeah, we just talked about it earlier. Did we? Oh, my bad. Yeah, 
<laughs> Go home, yeah, Brady. How, you're how, drunk. I was supposed to die. Yeah. Get drunk. out of here, Brady. I was peeing. I'm seeing you drinking water, but oh yeah, you were peeing then. <laughs> probably. You're probably yeah. pissing. Yeah. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we piss on this show, and you don't even know it. We just get up and walk away. We piss all. That's the why time. you don't hear that member talking at that. Po- <laughs> <laughs> but uh, great pick, dude. Uh, we are down. Here it is. Jeremy already said it. What can be said that hasn't already been said? That's my lazy way of saying I don't have much more to say about the movie. It's John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah. I mean, it literally is the best horror remake ever of all time. I mean, great cast. Dean Cundey's cinematography. Suspense, slow burn horror. Uh, Rob Boutine. The score. Effects, Stan Winston effects. Yeah, we, we've got a, a score. uh by one of the best film composers to ever walk this planet. Uh, it, it's just, it it, it, it it worked then, and people just didn't realize it. Uh, $19.6 million on a $15 million budget. Everyone shit it, all over it. Came it came up against uh, uh, Roger Rabbit, wasn't it? No, it was E.T. E.T. No, yeah, E.T. E. Oh, it was only a couple of weeks removed from E.T. Um, yeah, Roger Rabbit wasn't yeah. until 88. So yeah, 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 yeah. Yourself. But, um, yeah, shut the fuck up, It's Jeremy. true, man. Like, it, it just, it, it was not understood because of the the dark tone of it. I mean, it is very mean, but it's also very realistic in terms of how humans interact with one another and people just don't like to see reality sometimes. It's as crazy and far-fetched as some of the stuff as you see in the movie. The human aspect and element is very down-to-earth and grounded. So it's a beautiful horror masterpiece and any opportunity I get to watch it I watch it and it's great because even Kurt Russell who became a star after that no one was a star in this movie no one was a huge name and I love the fact that all of the acting is top notch everyone is good in this movie that's in this movie there's not a bad performance in it there's not a bad shot in it it's just like Jeremy said absolute perfection so that is my number one John Carpenter's the thing, and the one thing that I wanted to bring up, because I know people are probably going to comment this, well, why isn't this movie on there? Why isn't that movie on there? Uh, I, I didn't say it at the beginning of the episode, so I apologize. If you made it this far, the way that I viewed what a remake is, and I've been very strong in my beliefs on this, is a, a, a remake, per definition, is a movie or piece of music that has been filmed or recorded again and re-released. So, a new film adaptation, for example, of like, say, you know, Andy Muschietti's It. People call that a remake. They're not remaking the original TV miniseries. They're doing a new film adaptation based on the book. So the way that we approach this was film remakes specifically. So that's why if you're not hearing like, why didn't Brady put Pet Cemetery on there? Well, number one, probably because he didn't like it. Number two, Shut the it fuck didn't up. fit the criteria. <laughs> I, 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 I'm pretty sure you saw that with me and you were like, mm, okay. I've never eh. even seen that remake. Here's that was one thing. that I was like, I there. didn't have. I liked it. Really? <laughs> I liked it. I didn't have Fred Gwynn saying, don't go up that damn road. It's not damn road. That's not damn road. They, they should have had John Lithgow try to do that accent, but he didn't even have a fucking accent. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, this episode is long, but it's a huge subject. So we had to dig in deep. So thank deep you so cut. much for listening. Yes. And Jeremy, if, you know, they want to find us, tell them, tell them where they could find us. <laughs> Thanks, Justin, for the uh, lovely intellectual introductions. It's uh, it's great welcome. to be back on the shows again uh, after going for uh, Burt, Burt Russell. Um, 
<laughs> so uh, <laughs> I, st- I started an OnlyFans because uh, I heard that was a popular thing. I thought maybe people were into like heating and AC stuff like that. Um, I found out it's like a porno thing. Um, so I got a uh, an OnlyFans, but on there you can uh, it's, it, there's a long list of uh, many of my interests that are on there, like uh, skateboard videos from the '80s. Fucking uh, vintage toy commercials, um, Orbit soda drinks. Uh, you can go on there. You can. There's a plethora of uh, things on my OnlyFans. Um, thank you for your time. God damn! <laughs> Man, those Orbit drinks. Those things used to make me choke because I was trying to pound them in those little ball things and we get caught in my they throat. They were so good. Uh, and so and so gross God at the same it. time. Um, yeah, for sure. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, yes, thank you so, so much for listening. And if you like what you're hearing, please head on over to iTunes or Spotify and leave us a five-star review. It helps us reach more amazing people like yourselves and more horror fans out there. And uh, of course, if you want to follow us on social media, we are at Epic Film Guys on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So there it is. That's our top 10 horror remakes. And until next time, I am Justin. I'm Jeremy. I'm Brady. Birata. He's drunk Brady Drunk Brady. Drunk Brady saying things to upset his daddies. That's all. And as always, we like to ask you to keep it creepy. Rachel!